Have you ever done something and later realized you shouldn't have done it? So in an effort to justify yourself and hopefully save face, you say, sorry, that's not like me. A lot of times we can excuse our actions and see ourselves in a much better light than we actually are. That's why sometimes we have to just be honest with ourselves and say, no, that is you. Today, Staff Pastor Casey Stokes is going to talk about laziness, or as he likes to call it, sluggarditis, in our message series called, No, That Is You. No, That Is You is the message series we're in, and uh, it's all really about character transformation, being transformed into the image of Jesus, and our character really counts. If you think about it, character counts, and uh, it sustains the test of time. Uh, time is an amazing thing, and time tells the truth on us all, but when our character is, is formed or reformed, and we have transformation in our life, hey, bring the time on, baby, let the time come, because I am going, like Mrs. Jan said this morning, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His character can be counted on, and that's what God wants out of our life. He wants our character to be counted on, and so uh, Pastor Van asked the staff for us to come up with some character traits that we wanted to talk about and do a little uh, contrast, you know what I mean? The good side and the negative side. And so I chose self-discipline. I know all you love that, that idea, right? Self-discipline. Sounds really good, right? Yeah, Super Bowl Sunday. Mardi Gras in the house and I got self-discipline. All right. I'm going to do my best. This is one of my favorite scriptures out of Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6. It says, go to the ant, you sluggard. I like the King James Version. It just sounds trendy. Thou sluggard. Look to your neighbor and say, thou sluggard. No. <laughs> I, I don't know if I like to be called a sluggard, but nevertheless, God did it, so I can do it too. Sluggard. So uh, go to the ant. You sluggard and consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer, or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. I love that. The ant does not have to have a taskmaster. The ant has the ability to generate its own task. It has a wonder list on his app, if you know what I'm talking about. For those of you who love tasks, or you got task-oriented people in here, no, not very many. Dude, I'm going home, man. Y'all going to throw fruit at me here in a minute. But um, she's a taskmaster, baby. You know what I'm talking about? She knows where she's going, and she knows how to generate work and make it happen without somebody saying, come on, Johnny. Let's go. If you're Johnny in here, don't worry. I'm not talking to you. But let's go. Let's go. So how long will you slumber? Verse 9. Oh, sluggard. There it is. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? When will you rise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. So shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. And so, hey, that's, I, don't wanna, I don't like to be uh, uh, surprised attacked. I don't know about you. Sluggards are surprised attacked. That's what he was saying. And so the effect of sluggardness can, can really, really mess with us. Uh, uh, the effects of sluggardness are some of these, or you can say laziness, all right, but I like sluggard for this. The effects of sluggardness is a critical attitude. You know someone's a sluggard when, right? When they have a critical attitude. Lazy people begin to criticize people continually, especially, especially those who are growing, 
This is a symptom of a sickness called sluggardness or whatever. It's a, it's a new de- let's come up with a new definition. What's a good word? Sluggardness? Help me out. Uh, sl- well, give me some doctors in here. What do you put on the end of a sickness? Uh, Sluggarditis. Sluggarditis, right? Hashtag sluggarditis. There we go. We, we, we came up with a new word. We can trademark that. Now, a critical attitude is a s- symptom of sluggarditis. <laughs> always criticizing. It's like the armchair quarterback, and we're going to have a lot of those here in just a little while, right? (laughs) Always criticizing, especially those who are innovative, especially those who are thinking outside of the sluggard's box, if you know what I'm talking about. Critical spirit. Not only that, sluggarditis. I'm not a good pronunciation. I got braces going on. I'm all screwed up, but (laughs) nevertheless, this next symptom is health issues, really and truly. Laziness and sluggardness, or whatever to call it. Mental issues will begin to happen in your life, really. When you begin to stop growing mentally, and I'm not just talking about getting to the gym, if you know what I'm saying. You, you, you begin to have mental issues, emotional issues. How about this? Even physical issues. And then you know what? That always affects our spiritual life and vice versa. The spiritual life affects the natural man. Health issues begin to take place. It's just not healthy anymore. It's not a fresh flowing stream of water, if you know what I'm talking about. It says here in Proverbs that a life of poverty can come on you like a prowler. A life of poverty is the life that doesn't have the buzz anymore. And I'm not talking about the, you know, the other type of buzz. I'm just talking about the buzz of life. The buzz of life is not happening anymore in you. There's no quality There's lack. I'm not talking about just money here. Money's one of them, right? Work hard, become a leader, do right. You know, typically at this time you can do all right uh, money-wise, but it's not about money. It's just a lack. It's a poverty-stricken life, the entirety of your life when you you, uh, are lazy and are sluggard. An ineffective life is a byproduct of that. An ineffective life for Jesus, an ineffective life for your church, for your family, for your job, for your friends. Your life is just ineffective. And what I love about Jesus is, we were singing it today, you know, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. So it doesn't matter if I had sluggardness yesterday. I can take the antibiotic today, which is self-discipline. I can go ahead and eat that pill, right? You know what I'm talking about. Eat that pill and chew it up. It's bitter. It's okay. You can acquire a taste for bitterness, by the way. Bitter things are good things in life, right? You've got to acquire a taste for it, though. And, and so self-discipline is something we should all go after. But why? Why would I want self-discipline? Self-discipline is the ability to do what is right even when you don't feel like doing it. But why? What's the purpose? What's the point? Why personal growth? Why? Why, why should I do this? I'll tell you why. Because of Jesus. I was, I, was, I was in a worship service this morning, and I was reminded of the scripture. We don't have it back there in the notes, but it's in Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 8, talking about a guy named Abraham. He's the father of faith, and it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, 
heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past that age, since she considered him faithful who had promised a child, and she was an old person. But we're talking about faith. We're talking about vision for this man's life called Abraham from God. Therefore, this is a, this is a great scripture. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants, as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of the sand by the seashore. He was saying from one man, this man named Abraham, from one man and his life as good as dead, I'm going to do a generational thing that's gonna far outlast Abraham's life. It says Abraham's descendants will be as many as the sands of the seashore, the stars in the sky. That's a vision, would you say? Think about my life. My life was as good as dead, right? I was, I w I was living the fast life, selling drugs of all kinds, in and out of, of all kinds of situations. I should be dead. But God, who is faithful, called me like he did Abram, my name was Casey. Abram's uh, uh, just a guy who was cut off from God, but he changed his name to Abraham. And God does a, a work in the human heart and changes a life and says, I'm taking you to a place that you don't know where you're going yet, but I'm going to multiply you. And that's why we want to have self-discipline. All right, I want you to think of your life for just a moment valuable to God. A chess piece, if you would, on God's playing board. This is why we want self-discipline, because God's vision for our life is greater than ourselves. The first and best person to conquer is yourself. It's the best victory that you could ever have is the victory over yourself, right? Think about Paul the Apostle. He said, my life has been bought by a price and I'm not my own. I belong to Jesus. Therefore, self-discipline. Self-discipline. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 says, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. See, Paul the Apostle, he's comparing an athlete's life with the life of a believer. He said, I'm not, I'm not just all over the place. I'm dialed in. I'm fixated. I'm fixated on the purposes God has for my life. That means I have just zeroed in. I'm laser focused. Look, when you get fixated, watch out. That's why these great martyrdoms, these people who've been martyred, these people who've done great works, these tremendous businessmen that turned things upside down and built nonprofit organizations that's helped humanity by the thousands were fixated on their purpose. Now, I'm here to uh, inspire you today. That's my goal. My goal is one thing, inspiration. Because if you're inspired and the Holy Spirit does something inside of you, that inspiration will get you to move somewhere you've never been before fixated. He said, I'm not shadow boxing. Verse 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, 
training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. I've got a quote for you. A man without a decision of character can never be said to belong to himself. He belongs to whatever can make captive of him. Period. Self-discipline. The vision demands it. The vision, that, and I'm not talking about a corporate church vision right now. I'm talking about personal vision. When God gives you personal vision, which he wants to, right, right, is for every person. The vision will demand self-discipline. The vision will demand it. When you have a personal vision, it will inspire your present day lifestyle. It will. You'll wake up in the morning fixated and say, let's go edit again. I don't want you to start feeling bad when we talk about the word vision. I know it's a played out word. I don't want you to start feeling, oh, well, man, that seems complicated. I want you to erase from your mind everything you've ever read about vision just for a moment and what you think about yourself or others or what you've done up to this particular point in your lifetime. The timeline doesn't exist. Today exists. Make sense? So, that's why we want to integrate self-discipline into our life. The vision demands it. I think about our life when I think about the parable of the talents. Jesus was a tremendous orator of the gospel, right? He was the gospel. He was the greatest teacher of all times, but he was simple. And his simple words were so powerful that he turned the world upside down. So I think the parable is right for us to read. Thinking about vision, thinking about our life just for a moment, individualizing, encapsulating your life as a person Jesus said again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. And I think of money as free will. Now, we're not going to do type in shadows and break down the, 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 the meaning. For this message, money is our free will. Our life is money, okay, in this story. Every part of our life equals this money. Okay, so here we go. He entrusted them some money while he was gone. Verse 15, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities he then left on his trip. I love God. It's not about your neighbor's ability. It's not about the acid test of comparison. It's about the man and the woman in the mirror and what God has given to you is great and good enough to accomplish his will, period. Your personality type is awesome. Your educational status is great. It doesn't matter what your family background is. Come on now. He left on his trip. Verse 16, the servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. He said, I'm going to take what you've given me and I am going to work at it, basically. I'm going to work at it every day. I'm going to take it. And he earned five more. He multiplied it. The servant with the two bags of silver. It doesn't matter the amount of bags. Watch this. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and he earned two more. 
two more, but, it's a big but, by the way, but the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. The, the verse goes on to say, I was afraid, I didn't know, I, I, I just, ah, 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 ah. You, you are reaping where you haven't sown, so I just, that's right, God wants to reap where he hasn't sown, with you. And the, and the scripture goes on to expound it. it says that he was well pleased, the guy who had five and multiplied it five, he said, well done, good and faithful servant. Not only that, he said, take, take some more. Come get you some more. I'm going to increase favor upon your life. I'm going to multiply what, our, what I've deposited in you. I'm going to make it grow. The one with two, he did the same thing. But the one with one, you know, he said, wicked servant. Sluggarditis. I know you speech pathologists are eating me up. My mom's like, she's sitting over there. Well, yeah. I thought I raised him better than that. She corrects me on my speech. She was a speech pathologist, so. Do you understand the heart of why now we want self-discipline? I'm gonna give you five quick disciplines. There's a lot of them, I'm gonna give you five. Number one, the discipline of clear thinking. You know, it, it, takes, it takes power to discipline the mind. Did you know the brain is a muscle? I know you can't believe that, and a lot of you hadn't been to the gym in a long time. <laughs> I, I love super spiritual people. They say, glory, glory, but they can't ever, you know, get the thing in between their ears that we've called a brain in order. Watch this. Th thinking is the hardest discipline of all. You know how it is. It has been said that there are three types of people. There are those who think, the small minority, there are those that think they think. <laughs> then there are those who would rather die than think. <laughs> Clear thinking is an exercise. Come on, everybody. Woo! Super Bowl Sunday. <laughs> Paul the Apostle talks about the Philippian mind, the Philippian attitude, watching Verse chapter at four, uh, four, verse eight. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Let me give you one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Wow, let's just start right at true. It might take me a year on getting on that one. Wow, you know what? One, two, three, four, five, six. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Six New Year's resolutions. I got you taken care of for six years. <laughs> You better just pick one of them out, man. We are some sluggards. <laughs> think about, there it is. Think about the things. Another translation says meditate. If you know what I'm talking about. <sighs> Breathe. <sighs> meditate on the things that are, are y'all having a good time at church, by the way? <laughs> meditate on the things that are worthy, the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Verse nine, keep putting into practice. There it is. Because he knows the law of human metrics. He understands the law of the brain muscle. Come on, everybody. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the peace of God. Well, that's why we ain't got no peace. We ain't practicing. Come on now. 
We'll move on. Clear thinking. That was a good one, man. And this is five. You might be lucky to get one of them taken care of in the next, you know, century. No, just kidding. There's hope. There's hope, right? So you just got to pick out something for yourself. Number two, the discipline of vision setting. The discipline of vision setting. See, focus and concentration are the essential qualities for success. Vision setting, and, and look, let me just make this real simple. God has a vision for your life and it can work out of your burdens. It can work out of your personal inspiration. It can work out of your area of life. And I'll, I'll, I'll break it down. Some of you grandparents in here, your vision might to be stay healthy so you can help your grandkids launch. That's a simple vision, but very powerful. So because of that, what am I gonna do? I'm gonna sweat to the oldies. We'll get to that in a second. Hold on a second. The discipline of vision setting is very powerful. Never forget, God spoke to men and women of all types all throughout the Bible. And it doesn't have to be a finger written on the, on the wall, some crazy miracle where, where CNN comes out and looks at it. It's simple. It's subtle. And as you're following God, I love the scripture. Uh, you remember the old, the old saying uh, they used to make the, when we, we used to carry the Bibles around, people would carry out the Bible covers. You remember that? Anyways, uh, yeah, I, don't, I didn't like doing that. I thought it felt weird, you know, a little Bible cover. But anyways, one of it was uh, sans, uh, what was the sans thing? It says, even when I didn't know you were carrying me, your footprints were in the sand there. God, I, I, look, if you acknowledge God in all your ways and your life is open to God and your heart is soft, he is leading you even when you don't feel like he's leading you. But it's because it says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Man makes his plans, but God orders his steps. And you gotta believe that, you gotta live by faith. You, you gotta have faith. Vision setting, Habakkuk chapter two, verse two, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. Take your vision and write it down. Write it down. I want some of you to just be inspired again, to write down a vision that you wanna accomplish right now, today. Doesn't matter how big it is, it doesn't matter how small it is, it doesn't matter how great it is, it's yours. Own it. You know, I, I tell you, if, we, if you look at that every day, I, I think about the scripture, if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. He wants to prosper you. He wants to make a way where there seems to be no way. Make the vision plain. Write it down. I think about a guy who's a uh, a great entrepreneur, and he wrote down the vision, and, in, and every day he looked in the sock drawer, he put his vision in a sock drawer, by the way, because we wore socks every day. We got a thing going with the staff, hashtag sock game. <laughs> we, you, you like that? We, <laughs> we use a Voxer thread, uh, the staff does, and so the, typically on Sunday mornings, we, every man who's preaching or on staff, they, they put their foot somewhere and take a picture, so we got this sock game going anyways. Um, he took the vision and he wrote it down and he put it in his sock drawer. Now this is fundamentals, folks. And they looked at it every single day until he became fixated on the vision. Self-discipline. Self-discipline of vision setting. I want you to become a vision setter for your personal life. No matter the season now, come on now, stick with me. The next one is the discipline of time management. Or you can say time and energy management. 
They go hand in hand. The more you plan, the better you use your time and the more you accomplish. Why do we want to accomplish more? Because the vision that God has for our life is greater than our lifestyle today. That's the only reason we're going to exercise the brain muscle and put into priority our time and energy management in order to accomplish the vision God has for our life, period. That's the why, by the way. So is this a self-help message? Absolutely! So that we can accomplish more for Jesus. The, your energy will limit what you can do with your time, so use it wisely. Our life, now I'm not a scientist, but at the end of the day, we're made up of energy, right? There's energy, man, we're in movement, things are alive. I'm exerting energy right now. And if you could take a meter by the end of our life and look at it, there would be bad energy using and good energy using, right? And I'm not talking about the ozone layer type stuff. Our life can be like that, right? And we have to measure our energy. There's so many things that want to take our energy, really and truly, folks. It's like the little foxes that spoil the vine, right? It's the, it's, it's, it's the spiral dark hole of nothingness and distractions from the main mission of your life. And when you begin to categorize your life and begin to implement time management and energy management, not everybody around you is so happy about it anymore. They want you to spend energy like they're wasting energy. I want to invest my energy and not waste my energy. And when I feel, and this is personal and God's working on it, when I feel that I'm wasting my time or I'm in this thing that's wasting my time and energy, I'm one hot habanero pepper. Let me tell you something. Nobody knows it, but on the inside, I'm a raging storm. I'm going to get palpitations and... Not everybody wants you to invest your energy. They want you to waste energy like they're wasting it. But when you become fixated, sometimes it's a lonely place for a season. <laughs> I, I saw this one article that people were saying, why? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? Ten years later, how did you do that? How did you do that? Look at my blisters. Time and energy management are paramount. Psalms verse 90, the psalmist said, teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Other version, another translation says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Wisdom in what? Wisdom to manage our time and energy to get the most potency out of our life. It takes a calculated man and woman to measure their time and energy, period. Now, here's one that we're all going to love. The discipline of health habits. Oh, come on, everybody. I got a small scripture for you. Physical training is good, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. There it is for you. Physical training is good, and we know everybody likes to hang on to the last one. But training for godliness is much better, promising the benefits in this life and the life to come. Oh, well, I'm going to heaven, forget it. No, 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 no. How about, let's couple both those together. How about we couple together physical training 
and training for godliness and make them a, 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 a one-two punch. <laughs> Physical training. Let me give you a key. Let me give you a key for health. It can be summarized in five words. Now, this is really good, folks. Listen, listen to me. Listen, Linda, right? <laughs> What's that? Oh, dude, my mind, you could just get into my mind while I'm preaching. I got to put a filter on it. And, and it's not a bad filter, by the way. I'm not having evil thoughts, but just the mind. You know, I'm thinking about that YouTube video. Listen, Linda, listen. <laughs> Watch this. Five words, write this. Eat less and exercise more. <laughs> Woo! Can you feel the fire? <laughs> so, you know, the healthier we are, let's, let's, let's get real, folks. The more productive we are. When you exercise, blood flows to those places blood hadn't been to in a while. <laughs> Including the old head and the brain, right? And, and why? So that I'm more productive. Because why? The vision is greater. I was talking to, uh, uh, I think it was Ken. Yeah, I think it was Ken. It was you, Ken. He's going, you're going to uh, Nicaragua, aren't you? That's right. He went down to Nicaragua, and I'll share just a brief, I probably won't do your uh, uh, story justice, but I thought about it. Uh, he was inspired while he was down there, met a pastor, right? His heart was inspired to do something for that church at Nicaragua. So you know what he did? He bought my treadmill. And he said, I got to get on the treadmill every day because I got something to do for God in Nicaragua. Isn't that right, Ken? Come on, hey, give it up for Mr. Ken. Yeah, hey, come on, honor where honors do. How old are you, Mr. Ken? 63, come on now. Woo! <laughs> now, the vision is greater than his daily lifestyle. So he said, I'm going to put the treadmill, and I said, make sure you put it on incline, Mr. Ken. <laughs> Why? Because he's going to be walking around Nicaragua, and he don't want, he's got work to do for Jesus. Come on now. The discipline of health habits. You can go on and on with that. The last discipline is persistence. The greatest test of self-discipline is when you persist in the, in the face of adversity and you drive yourself forward to complete your tasks 100% no matter how you feel, period. I'm gonna bring my task to, to full fruition why? Because I'm going to be like Jesus. He was the greatest in the face of adversity. He said, I've come to finish the work. Watch this, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, the joy to see mankind redeemed, the joy to sit on the right hand of the Father and judge the nations and the earth, the joy to take away the sting of death, the all-powerful and all-knowing Jesus, 100% man, 100% God. The vision was so much greater. Watch this. The joy awaiting him, the joy of the vision was so much greater that he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. 
He was tortured to death. Now he's seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. There it is, folks. Let me tell you something. That's the reason. You think Jesus has self-discipline? Oh. Mm. We, have to, we, we have to make a choice for self-discipline. Choice will determine self-discipline. It's a choice. I love God's way of doing things. He gives us choice. The, he gives humanity the power. Do you know if you strip down everything, God doesn't uh, constitute men's choices. He says, make the choice. Your choice will allow you to start growing. And growth's not automatic, it's a process. Change. This allows me to keep growing once I make the choice. Once you make the choice today, be ready to change. It'll allow you to stay in the flow, if you know what I'm saying. Growth means change, and if you plan to grow, plan to change. Number three, culture. This, is a, this will allow me to enjoy growing. Actually, to enjoy growing. I, the greatest thing is when you can surround yourself with growing people. It's a culture, if you would. That's why a lot of people join gyms, because in, uh, there's people, everybody's in there trying to, you know, dee, 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 dee. and uh, it, it, it's a culture. See, culture allows you to enjoy growing. Your environment can be challenging and stimulating, but at the same time enjoying, enjoyable. If you begin to cultivate that growth environment in your life, and there's always some things you gotta weed out whether it's people, places, or things, if you know what I'm saying, to have culture. And I believe self-discipline will allow you to accomplish your mission from God, yes. period. That's the crux of the message. Jesus, when it was all said and done, his final words were, it is finished. It is finished. And many men have mirrored that principle, the law of mirroring. I think about Paul the Apostle. We talked about him earlier. He had a guy that he was showing the way to. His name was Timothy. And there was a time in Paul's life where he looked at Timothy and he said, Timothy, I have fought the good fight of faith. I, my son, have finished the race. I'm done. They're coming to kill me now. I did it. It's finished. And I think that's where every one of us wants to be motivated and inspired to integrate these principles into our life because his vision is greater. Let's bow our heads. Father, we want to thank you right now, God, for your presence, your power, your inspiration, God. Lord, I want to thank you for every person in this room, God, young and old alike, no matter what their seasons are or not. And God's vision for your life started at Calvary. It really did. I mean, it started with Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of your personal faith. Some of you need to start that race of faith today, and Jesus has been calling you.
I mean, you might have saw us on the web. You might have been invited by a friend. You might have saw us on Facebook. That's irrelevant. It's God himself drawing you to a place where you can hear about him and hear the gospel. Jesus finished it for you and so that you can start something new. And so if that's you in the room right now, lay aside religion. Don't care if you got a Bible at your house. You went to church as you a kid and you know some scriptures. On the inside of you, you know you need a real relationship with Jesus today. I'm gonna give you an opportunity. I'm gonna pray a prayer here in just a moment. And if you'd say, hey, that's me, include me in that prayer. I'm gonna just include you in the prayer. Just lift your hand up, put it right back down. Say, that's me. Sir, I see your hand. Your hand, yep, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Your hand, I see your hand over there. God's dealing with you, ma'am, I see that. In your heart of hearts, you know it. In your gut, Jesus is calling you. I see your hand, ma'am. Ma'am, I see your hand over there. Absolutely. Jesus. I'm going to pray a simple prayer, but your heart is wide open to God. Wide open to God right now. And he sees your heart. And you're just going to acknowledge him. I'm going to pray a prayer, but you're going to acknowledge him, and he's going to meet you right where you are. Just say something like this, Father in heaven, that's me, Jesus. That's me. You're dealing with me, Jesus. Here I am. Say it in your own words. I'm right here, God. Forgive me, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for finishing your vision, which was me. You saw me thousands of years ago. Somehow, some way, God disclosed something to Jesus. I would believe when he was suffering, even though God turned his back on There was a multitude of people like you and me. That vision was so much greater, and it was for you. Just say, Father, forgive me. I receive you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me. That's what you're saying. Holy Spirit, come live inside of me and make me the person you want me to be, God. My life is yours. I've been bought with a price. It's yours now, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, church. Let's give it up for those who prayed that prayer. If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van DeCote, wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228 228- 215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.